You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, NFL fans, to your draft day edition of Locked On NFL. We're going to take a look at this draft as we're about to kick it off. I'm just excited that there's people everywhere. There'll be people in on stage with Roger Goodell. I don't know if they like the hugs or not, but I'll like it. That's fine. We're going to get started by talking about what the trend has been of Super Bowl champions as they get to this draft section of the year and trying to bring everyone back. Tampa Bay is doing that this year. We're going to talk about Teddy Bridgewater. We're going to get into prospects who should and shouldn't be in the first. We're brought to you today by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. This is going to be a fun one. Jake Lisko's here, and I got to ask, are you ready for this draft? Man, I am so ready for this draft. Ryan Tracy, founder of RGR Analytics, producer of a fantastic draft guide that has been part of my draft prep. But I'll tell you why I'm so excited. I am so tired. (laughs) <laughs> the, the narratives and, and the draft season, maybe it's quarantine, maybe it's COVID, maybe it's a weird year that we've had, but it feels more oppressive than normal. And there's still a lot of exciting parts. I love the NFL draft, new players coming into the NFL, exciting new prospects for every team, for every fan base. I love it. And, and for kids to get their dreams to come true, their dreams meet yeah. reality during the NFL draft. I love all of that. I don't love the spin cycles, lying season, the repetitive, reductive narratives that get spun. I mean, there was a report on Tuesday that said the reason the Bengals are in on Jamar Chase is to stick it to AJ Green. And I can't <laughs> fathom anything that could be further from the way an NFL team operates. But hey, this is the point we're at in draft season, Ryan, and I'm very excited to get out of the smoke and spin cycle, out of the the storm before the calm, because while the NFL draft is busy, and I stole this from Field Yates a little bit, the the draft itself, at least are reporting on things that have happened. You can start to talk about team fits. You can start to talk about the players, and you're not just talking about the en- endless speculation that leads into the draft. But before we get to the endless speculation that leads to the draft and do some of our own speculating, let's talk a little bit about what Tampa Bay has achieved. Only one free agent, at least that applies to the compensatory formula, has left the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year, and that's Joe Haig. The, they bring back Antonio Brown. That news coming out on Wednesday, and the gang is back. Very similar to what the Kansas City Chiefs did after they won the Super Bowl two Super Bowls ago. Yeah, I, I love this trend. I'm like, uh, I'm old school enough um, not to call myself old, but I remember the days when players played for a team, like a team, you know? And so it's a little bit of a throwback. Obviously, it's just for one year and one contract cycle. But when the Chiefs, uh, the Chiefs gave up two compensatory picks, so only two role players that saw significant time. Now, just one for the Bucks. Like, I love the concept. It's a complete exercise in cap management, obviously. Matching your talent becomes more about the future in that you can spend that draft cycle like we're about to get to in backfilling for what you will eventually have to lose because one-year contracts are one-year contracts and there's going to be a whole slew of other guys that are going to have to get paid. And so it's difficult to keep it together, I think, for the second season or the third season. 
But that that back-to-back thing I think is really enticing, and I love seeing teams going to this. Especially with Tom Brady being where Tom Brady is in his career, right? We've been waiting for the other foot to drop on Tom Brady's illustrious career since he turned 50 10 years ago. Sorry, <laughs> how old is Tom Brady? I mean, you get the idea, right? The, the guy's been an ageless wonder. At some point, age catches up to everyone. Everybody on earth eventually is is caught by age. And Tampa doing things they've never done. We've talked about on this Thursday episode of the podcast that the prorated money, Tampa's never given out this much prorated money, especially to non-rookie contracts. They've never, they, they use void years. I mean, they've gone to extraordinary lengths to keep this roster together. And I mean, just a few years ago, we were slamming Jason Light for drafting Robert Aguayo in the second round. A couple years later, Tom Brady, Super Bowl. I'm, I'm not going to call the man old, but, you know, the saying, old dogs, new tricks. When you're when you're here and you've hit the pinnacle and, you know, like you said, like your quarterback, 68 years old and he's looking at retirement. You got to pull out all the stops. You got to learn all the new tricks. You got to do everything that you can do, whether it's, you know, proration or whatever else. I, I think good for them for taking it to the next step, because there are very few franchises that you can think back to and say back to back or that they were in contention or the dynasty thing. Like this is going to be another chance for another franchise to have back to back, which I think puts them in a new realm of discussion in history and doing it out of nowhere because they got Tom Brady. I mean, how about that for Tom Brady's legacy? I'm with the NFL fans that are a little sick of Tom Brady, but you can't help (laughs) but respect. I mean, going from, from new England and Bill Belichick to another really good coach and Bruce Arians in in Tampa, but winning the Super Bowl in year one, bringing the entire team back, making a run at it again, really compelling storyline stuff, even if everyone is sick of Tom Brady, I think. Anyway, a team that we don't talk about nearly as much as Tampa, another team in the NFC South, made a trade. Teddy Bridgewater heads west. What does that mean for Carolina as we pivot and start to talk about the NFL draft. We'll get into that coming up next. Everyone saw the meteoric rise of GameStop stock and stocks, memes, rocket ships. You saw all of that. Day trading can be a lot of fun. But if you want to grow your long-term wealth and make it to the moon, you should open up a Wealthfront investment account today. Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds, personalized for you in minutes. No manual trades, no picking stocks, no watching the market every day. They just automatically handle all the investing based on preferences you control. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to wealthfront.com slash locked on NFL. To get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, Go to wealthfront.com slash locked on NFL. That's W E A L T H F R O N T dot com slash locked on NFL to start growing your savings today. By the time you're listening to this podcast, the Denver Broncos may be just about on the clock. They're picking ninth on Thursday night and they just traded for a quarterback. Does that tell you, Ryan, that they're not confident that a quarterback they like will be there at nine or maybe their preliminary trade discussions with teams like Atlanta, who we've heard have fielded some trade back offers, but maybe asking too much just aren't fruitful enough. Is this a a vote of confidence in Drew Locke? I I can't really figure out what message 
this sends on face? I don't know that it sends a message to tell you the truth. I, I hope that it's meant to obfuscate something to tell you the truth. Um, I think George Patton's in a new role, and I think he's a guy that has been through the Kirk Cousins um, preamble to try to drive a franchise, and I think he's covering his bases. He's got the young gun in Drew Locke that maybe could take a step forward finally. He's now traded at what is a sixth-round pick for um, a veteran with experience who had some success in New Orleans, didn't have so much success last season. Like You can see that transition. I don't think this precludes them in any way from taking the fifth guy off the board if they can't get a trade up done. I think some someone that can call some decent signals might fall to them at nine. I think that's got to be what they're hoping, and then they can just put them all in camp let them, you know, go head to head and see what they come out with. But if they do plan to take a quarterback, why go trade for Teddy Bridgewater when, you know, at least Drew Locke has played in the NFL. There doesn't appear to be a huge difference in the skill level between those two guys by a number of measures, at least statistically. I think obviously they have different play styles, but Teddy maybe had a better roster, at least of wide receivers in Carolina with Cortland Sutton missing a lot of the year for Drew Locke in Denver. They did just add a lot of speed in last year's draft as they tried to match Kansas City in the speed arms race that's going on in the AFC West. But, I mean, you look at PFF, right? And PFF, by far from the be-all, end-all, Teddy Bridgewater coming in at 24th, Drew Locke at 26th amongst quarterbacks who took at least 330 snaps last year. Not a huge difference there. You go look at their QBR. Teddy was a better quarterback. You go look at their touchdown percentage, interception percentage. You go watch the tape. The productivity, not necessarily terribly different, but probably a better roster in Denver. So so maybe this is a old love for Teddy Bridgewater. We can get something out of him kind of thing or Maybe this is just we don't think we're going to draft a quarterback and want some competition at the position. Well, and if it is a if it is a Teddy specific thing, more power to him. And if you trust Teddy and you have that relationship with him from when he came into the league, more power to you. Use that, and then allows you that if you are either not in on Drew Lock at all as a competitor uh, to be in this, maybe you try to Sam Darnold it. Maybe you try to move him along along with your number nine to move up to select another quarterback. Maybe you can make a package that is not just about the picks. You never know, especially with the change, particularly with you have new GMs in Denver, you have new GM in Atlanta. There are differences in the way they were evaluated when both those guys came out that maybe you can play to your advantage. I have a hard time seeing a team picking ahead of Denver this year, being interested in taking on Drew Locke, even if he is part of a deal with the ninth pick and maybe another pick, second round pick, future first round pick. I would just as soon just take another third or second round pick or something at this point, because is Drew Locke really an asset for Denver at this point? I, I kind of have a hard time buying that with what we've seen from him so far. Yeah, I would tend to agree. The question is, do the evaluators that they're trying to work with still have that two years ago? I thought he could be X in their heads. That's the sales job I'd be trying to pull if I was this GM. I think that uh, would be a tough sell to say the least. But hey, these guys are in their positions for a reason. And NFL teams do things that don't make sense quite frequently, like trading for Sam Darnold and then trading away Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, I guess there's some upside with Darnold potentially, but Carolina in a very interesting position as well, in addition to Denver after this trade, in a position where they could trade up for a quarterback. They don't necessarily have to go that far with Miami and Cincinnati ahead of them, not expected 
to take a quarterback. Atlanta being a real wild card. And I think we need to talk about Atlanta a little bit as well here. But Carolina could be in a position where they might have a choice of QB4, Penny Sewell, Rashawn Slater, uh, maybe a pass catcher if they really like, uh, you know, a Devontae Smith. Because to me right now, it feels like the first six picks are three quarterbacks, probably Kyle Pitts, unless Atlanta trades back. That might be a quarterback spot. Probably Jamar Chase, probably Jalen Waddle, and then Carolina may have its pick of what's left. It could be. I think Waddle will fall a little bit farther than that, but I like where you're thinking. And especially if you're Atlanta, it all comes down to do you want the quarterback or do you want to take advantage of being at number four? Because this is a strange class. This is less film than you usually get. I can understand the trepidation of taking the fourth quarterback off the board this particular year. Now, does it necessarily have to fall the way that we've heard quite a bit about? I'm not convinced that Max going at three. I'm not convinced of anything, to tell you the truth. So maybe it's a question of, can Atlanta get their guy? And if they do, they go for it. If not, get out of Dodge and let somebody else roll the dice. It sounds like Atlanta might be asking for a little bit too much. For, for at least right now, there were some rumors that were reported or circulated on Wednesday. And again, at the top of the show, I talked about how much you just take it with a grain of salt at this point, for sure. A day before the draft. I mean, the things that get talked about the day before the draft and then forgotten by most people, when, when they're brought back up a year later, people look back and think, oh, man, that was silly. But Detroit apparently was in talks with Atlanta to try to go up to, to pick number four, ostensibly to get ahead of Cincinnati and Miami to draft a wide receiver in Jamar Chase. And yes, Detroit needs a wide receiver, but the amount of draft capital that it would require to move to a pick where you're in prime quarterback territory this year, where there are five guys apparently in the conversation for top five picks at quarterback, that is a premium that Atlanta should be asking for as teams generally overpay for quarterbacks and trade-ups by about a first-round pick. You nailed it. And if I quote an old friend, Therese Paler, it's a premium position to be in. It's worth going to get if you have a target that can play a premium position for you. I can't say that it's worth going up. To select a player that is reliant on another player to deliver him the ball every single play, for me, it would have to be a quarterback or not to move to that position. I agree with that 100%. I think that Atlanta fielding calls, the, the price they're setting is based on a team coming to get a quarterback, but the rest of the league might be looking at it and saying, if Atlanta wants to move back, and that's the word on the street, is that Atlanta wants out of that pick, they want to try to add picks, that probably tells you that Atlanta doesn't want to draft a quarterback. We know that Cincinnati and Miami don't want to draft quarterbacks, even if maybe there's an argument that one or two of those teams Maybe could consider it. We don't need to go down that tinfoil hat theory <laughs> road right now. Teams could be looking at it and saying, well, maybe Carolina is a spot. Maybe Carolina, instead of going up to get a quarterback, is, is a spot where teams are saying, you know, if I want to go up and get one and I'm New England or I'm Denver, maybe I only have to go to seven instead of four with Miami and Cincinnati sitting there. And I, I do think there's a world where Miami certainly could look at trading back again if, if they don't get the pass catcher of their choice. If Atlanta and Cincinnati stay put and do as expected and take pits and chase, then you could see Miami trading back. 
you, you could also see total screwballs because I, I think th- there is a lot of questions about pick number four with Atlanta looking to move back and whether they'll be able to recoup that value. And I, I think we've probably talked about that on Locked On NFL quite a bit. I know that our uh, Wednesday guys have covered the pick at number four quite a bit, but as we are on the day of the draft here, it just bears repeating that that's really where things can start to go against your idea of, of what your mock says. Even if you don't think Mac Jones is going three, because it's going to be a quarterback at three either way. Yeah. And I think again, we talk about it because it is the first domino to fall, at least as we see it right now. Right. And that changes everything dramatically. It's the first bit of spark to kind of set all the GMs across the league into a frenzy of who goes up. And if they do get that done and for Atlanta, you can always come off of a steep price that you're asking for now and get that done on draft day. So then everybody starts reacting. And I think there are some GMs in this league that I think will say that that chaos, that movement need can actually spark some things that can allow your guy to fall through the cracks. I think there are some that will go up and some will that will hope and stay put to see what comes to them. And let's talk about some of those potential surprises. Maybe guys that'll go earlier than we expect. Maybe guys that shouldn't go as early as they'll end up going. We'll try to find some surprises coming up next. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at betonline.ag. This week has tons of sports action left to go to. You've got the NFL draft. We're going to talk about that. A whole lot more in today's show. The Kentucky Derby, the first leg of the Triple Crown this weekend. You can get all the news, odds, and info for all your sports betting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, UFC, and MMA action, all at betonline.ag. You don't have to sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Go over to betonline.ag right now on your laptop or mobile device. Sign up today and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code Locked On. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. The chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics versus us do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and they're reliably low. rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing their prices based on whims like the airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require a membership or an account login. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend twice the money for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com now to see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com This next section is not only my favorite aspect of the draft, but the one that confounds me the most as well, because we're going to go over head scratchers and shockers, like the things we think should happen and the things that we will never see coming. But hey, you never know. And I want to start because there's a lot of talk about this defensive interior group. 
And the more that I've watched their film, the more that I've looked at the athleticism profiles, and now we're starting here things within the last 48 hours of the draft about some guys falling, not to be unmentioned, is Christian Barmore of Alabama, who's now the rumors are out that he's tough to coach and things like this. And like, I didn't think the interior defensive line was a great group to begin with. I actually had uh, Amuzarike as number one on my board, but are you surprised to see that we might not hear Christian Barmore's name on night one? I don't know if I would be surprised exactly. He did finish the season at Alabama incredibly. Like his production in, in the college football playoff, his dominance in the college football playoff is noteworthy because that is against the highest competition. He did it on the, the biggest stage under the brightest lights, but that's for NFL teams a small sample size. And we talk about that a lot with quarterbacks in particular, one year of production, not enough for quarterbacks. Why should a couple of games be enough for a guy like Christian Barmore? But that being said of all the defensive linemen in this draft, the, the market seemed to think that he has at least decent odds at being one of the first defensive linemen picked in the draft behind Jalen Phillips behind Quiddy pay. That's from BetOnline.ag When I refer to the markets there. So, Decent odds, right, for, from a gambling perspective, doesn't necessarily indicate what NFL teams think of Barmore because, as you mentioned, who, who knows where the, the character stuff is? And I, I literally mean who knows because people will say anything right now for a headline, right? right. As, as I've said a few times on this show already. So maybe there's some truth to it, maybe not. But beyond that, just, just from a football perspective, so much of Barmore's appeal comes from just the the small sample size at the end of his college career. That's fair. And you're right. Like this last 48 hours. And that's why I always put the caveat on it, that it's within that window. That's when the biggest lies come out most of the time. But I will say this, it's not just about some of these uh, evaluation type things. There's a lot of medical concerns out there too. And there are a number of players that this is happening to, and probably at the very top of the list is a guy who used to be CB1 almost unanimously from everyone you heard from. And now there's a lot of questions about not just the fact that Caleb Farley ended up opting out of 2020, had a lot of time to get that. Um, I think it's a disc issue. I don't want to quote it. I don't have the medical reports, but there's a back issue. Had to have a, a second surgery. There are teams that think he needs a third. There's a lot of question marks there for me. I actually dropped him out of the first round on my prediction because I think there's just too many questions there. I'm generally a little conservative when it comes to that. Do you think I'm crazy? I don't know if you're crazy. There's certainly a lot of rumor mill activity that has him potentially falling out of the first round. And it's going to depend entirely on whether there's a team out there that's comfortable with him medically. I've said on this show many times, all it takes is one team. You just need one team to buy the medicals. And then I, I think the the caliber of prospect he is will get him drafted in the first round if one of those teams can get over the medical risk. I'm just going to keep referencing the market here, the, the betonline.ag odds, just because I think it's interesting with some of the stuff we're talking about. We are not betting experts. We are not the betting show. Go listen to Locked On Bets if you want some of that. But Caleb Farley is looking at an over-under for his draft selection at 23 and a half. So this particular line is still well within the first round, but 
wouldn't surprise me at all if he fell out at this point. I, I don't know what actually would surprise me. That's the thing. In, in this draft cycle, what would surprise me is, is if Trevor Lawrence isn't the first overall pick, right? Like beyond the first few picks, I feel like it's pretty fair game. Yeah, I think I would be surprised if it goes the way that I think it's going to go. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Probably the biggest one. And he's not alone, unfortunately. I think the injury thing is specific to this class. Again, with a lot of opt-outs, a lot of shortened seasons, even if you got one, that kind of thing. Another guy that's really intriguing to me might end up being edge one in Jalen Phillips, but a guy with a serious concussion history has the whole thing of, hey, I'm going to medically retire from UCLA, then I'm going to go to Miami, I'm going to try to turn it around. I'm going to play with another player's number. I think the whole thing's interesting. And I've heard a lot of rumors about whether he can sustain what we all out here on the outside of draft war rooms think should be a first-round pick. Uh, I see a lot of people saying top 15. Do you think that holds up? Well, he didn't even get to his medicals, right? He didn't get to the indie check-in because he had COVID. Uh, I mean, with, with his history... I'm sure teams have done their work. Teams that are considering Jalen Phillips have done some work to try to figure it out, to try to figure out what is the concussion risk with this guy going forward. Is it, you know, one concussion and, and I'm going to have to worry about him retiring again because I feel like most NFL players will have a concussion at some point mm -hmm. in their careers. That just is the unfortunate reality of the game right now. If, if that's the case, man, you have to be really overwhelmed with the talent or really convinced that, you know, that's not the case that, that he is going to find a way to keep going, that the risk isn't that severe because when you're investing that kind of capital in a guy and you just lose him, look what happened with, you know, even Tennessee and Isaiah Wilson losing that first round pick that you expect to be a major contributor for your franchise. It's a major setback. When you miss first round picks, especially when you do it consecutive years, it really puts you behind the eight ball in team building. It really does. And I did the same thing with him on my board as I did with Caleb Farr. I dropped him into the, the top 10 picks of the second round for those precautions. There are some other um, injury concerns that aren't quite as drastic, like Terrace Marshall has come back with a little bit more history, feel like he's going to drop into the second. There was some uh, you know high 20s talk for him. There are other players that I think this year of all might not be so surprising. Like I think Greg Newsom can go in the first round. I think he's got that kind of grade on him. Um, the question I think for me, the most interesting is probably the deepest position in this draft, the wide receiver group, right? Do we see five receivers go in the first round? Do we see the top three? And then everybody's like, oh, I can get somebody later. Um, you know, guys like Elijah Moore, like Rashad Bateman, like Terrace, like uh, Kadarius Tony. Like, could all of them have a shot at going first out of those five? What, you think one, two, none? My feeling is you'll see the big three guys, the Alabama LSU trio, and then you'll see I, – I can't see Elijah Moore and Rashad Bateman getting to the second round right now. Those are the two guys that I, if I had to pick out of that group to say they're going to be the, the two guys in the first round with those other wide receivers, it would be those two. And it would have been Terrace Marshall – before the injury stuff mm -hmm. came out and, and teams may have major injury concerns there going back to maybe pre LSU for him coming out of high school where he's had some surgeries in his past that weren't as well known prior to recently. Kadarius Tony could be a first round pick. That one would surprise me for some teams. I think that his analytic profile, his production profile 
will probably turn some of those teams off. And then there might be an old school team that says, we don't care that he didn't come on until his last year and didn't really have great production. We're going to take him anyway because of what the tape says. I think we could also be really surprised, Ryan, by like Rondale Moore, you know, sneaking in there. We've heard about Diami Brown potentially sneaking into the back of the first round. And between those two guys, I could actually see it for Diami Brown. I think that his overall overall profile is more of a day two guy, but this class is really lacking in the outside receiver. The the guy mm-hmm. that you feel like you can put on the line of scrimmage, put him at X, send him deep. Terrace Marshall should be that guy, but if injuries are pushing him out of the first round, you could see somebody come up and fill that void. It could be Diami Brown, Diami Brown. He had issues with Ife Melifonwu against Syracuse, real issues, like could not deal with the length that Melifonwu presented him with, but also great double move runner, can get open deep, excellent ball tracking, excellent deep ball skills, some things to really like there. So if a team is looking for that specific skill set, you could see that. Who else might surprise you and sneak into the back of the first round? Back of the first is a tough one. You know, when you look a little bit farther down, I have trouble seeing a safety go, but I think it's a toss-up between the big three there. I actually have Richie Grant as number one. Trevon Morag has been rumored to go in the first round. I could see that happening. We all know that it's it's dealer's choice on the offensive tackles. Um, I think really the only interior guy that I would rank that needs to go in the first round is Elijah Tucker. That won't surprise me. Um, I actually would be surprised, and this is a age-old debate. We don't have to get too far into it, but I don't see a first-round running back. Do you? I do. I think the Steelers take Najee Harris. That makes too much sense. That I, I, I think of all teams, the Steelers will draft a running a running back early. I think the Steelers will draft a linebacker early, and I think they don't care about your positional value arguments because that is the Steelers' identity. I think. There's a couple other guys that I think are really interesting and we have to wrap up here, but linebackers, Zaven Collins and Jameen Davis, both of those guys right now, the reason I mentioned them, betonline.ag has both of them in the twenties. Wow. Um, Zaven going to edge, right? Cause he's like 270 and climbing at this point, right? Um, Jamin's had a great offseason. Good for him for climbing. I have them both still in the second round, including Zayman, which I have at the very top of the second. Um, Jabril Cox would probably be the third guy in the second coming out of that group, and I think they're all slightly different flavors. They could all play some coverage. Um, Jabril doesn't come downhill like Zayman does. I think Jamin's the nice mix of those guys, Um, but I think they're all probably 40s to 50s prospects if your board is true. It's just when you only have 20 first-round grades, what do you do with the other 12 picks? If you even get to 20 first round grades. I I really wonder, man, I've said this before and we'll wrap the show on this thought. I wish that NFL teams would, would take their draft boards, right. And, and stick them in a time capsule, give it to NFL network, NFL films and say, you don't look at this until every player on this board is out of the league. 15 years, 20 years down the road, they crack open the vault, pull out the Dallas Cowboys, the Denver Broncos, the New England Patriots 2021 draft board. And we just get to go back and look, right? How many players did they actually have first round grades on 20 years later? What, what's the strategic edge you're giving up 20 years later, NFL teams? And think, think of the, the rewatchability or the watchability of that NFL films program 
that goes back 20 years, revisits the draft after all the guys have just retired, cracks open the vault. I mean, come on. There is a gold mine there. NFL Films, if you could please go find Bill Parcells' 2001 board, yeah. I would love to see that. That might yeah. be my favorite. Oh, uh, That's a great idea, and we will try to take that to the league. Maybe they can pull that off, but we hope that you guys are ready. Amongst our conjecture and all the preparations that have gone in to this draft day podcast, you if you miss any of the ultimate mock, it's over there on its own feed. You can search that. We have all of us from the local shows, from the national shows, plus – a couple of analysts you might have heard of, and Michael Irvin and Brian Baldinger and Jason Locke and Floor. We all put in this effort. Go check that out and make sure you get a listen before we get to the point. You can always follow us over on YouTube as well, where you can see some of our picks from that ultimate mock draft. And I'm pretty excited. I hope that you guys enjoy it. So Chris and Q will have the fallout from round one. Jake and I will be back next week. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you then.